from the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. Ah, yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, the bi-weekly-ish podcast all about marketing in the uh, automotive industry. Mostly. Sometimes we talk about other stuff like coffee and, you know, how awesome the Patriots are. Topics that most people are okay with. Well, if you're in, if you're in the Northeast, if you're not in the Northeast, then you probably hate the Patriots. Most people do, unless you're a Patriots fan. It's one of those love them or hate them type things. Anyway, not here to talk about the Patriots today. Today, I, um, a couple of things I want to talk about, but the main thing I want to focus on is I was having a discussion uh, the other day with somebody about this, about how much of our time we, uh, we dealers, by the way, focus on, we talk about conquesting, right? We talk about, uh, talk about finding new customers. We talk about stealing, you know, the other guy's customers down the road. We talk about, I need to get customers from the guy across the street. You know, oh man, that store, the one town over, it's selling into my PMA. I need that guy's customers. I got to conquest that manufacturer down the road and up in that market. And it's crazy, right? We talk about it all the time. We think about it. We talk about it. Meanwhile, we're all sitting on this like treasure trove of data in our CRM, whether it's customers that we have sold cars to 10 years ago, never came back. Customers that service with us, uh, never bought from us. Customers who bought three years ago and maybe they've got two years left uh, uh, in their, um, on their loan. Customers who are uh, put leads in who we never sold cars to, unsold prospects, right? So that would have a good discussion about uh, ways that you guys, the dealer, or us, the dealer group, agencies, dealers, vendors can better utilize uh, that data and how important that data uh, is to us. So I found a couple guys who specialize in that area. They're from the Think Ad Group. I'm going to bring them on right now. We've got uh, the founder at Think Ad Group, uh, Derek Perez. Hi, Derek. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on. And the uh, vice president of sales at the Think Ad Group, Justin Searle. Searle or Surly? Searle. Searle. Yeah. Surly. I like Surly. Surly, I like. Because you're kind of a Surly guy. You got the beard and, yeah. you know. That's... Derek calls me Squirrel. Squirrel. I call him Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> we could do Justin Squirrel. No yeah, problem. Works for me. Well, welcome uh, to the show, guys. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, the reason I wanted to have you guys on was I came across something on LinkedIn, which is how I come up with basically every topic that uh, I want to talk about. I see something and I go, oh, you know, I, I want to talk about that. Or I read someone's blog or an article and I think to myself, man, I'd love to interview that person. So I saw something on LinkedIn. Uh, I believe that Justin may have posted about um, dealers first party data. I mean, that is Radio 101 is turning off your phone before you go on the air. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's okay. It's not a problem. I'll apologize. It's okay. You don't have to apologize. It's fine. I'm going to uh, turn my face up. I'm just, you know, as a, uh, as a former radio guy, I'm used to working with professionals here, Derek. And, uh, honestly, I'm just going to kick you out now. No, I'm just kidding. Do it. That happens in, 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 um, 
in school now, you know, they do like school Google Hangouts. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a kid in my um, my son's Google Hangout, you know, classroom who's been kicked out before for not behaving while on the Google chat. And I think if your phone rang during it, you would get kicked out of your uh, classroom. But we'll keep you on here because I want to hear what you have to say. Give me one more chance. Yeah, please. <laughs> no problem. All right. So let's talk about dealer's own first, part, first party data. Let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about unsold prospects first, right? I believe, and some of you guys have come across, that this is an area that uh, is often underutilized by dealers. And I, I think that what happens in a lot of situations is, you know, probably this happens when a dealer sets up a new CRM. Is This was the only time they think about it. And they set up a, okay, well, if no one buys a car, if someone puts a lead in, you know, our BDC reaches out to them and then we send a follow-up email on day 10 and then we do this on day 15, we do this on day 30, day 45, day 90, and then that's it. That person is just in the database and in limbo. Are you seeing that that happens out there uh, more often than not? Absolutely. So what do you say to dealers? Okay, guys, listen, we, this is, this data is gold. It's, it's better than all this conquesting third-party data. You're out there. You know, it's this person it's in your CRM. They've reached out to you before. And you know, how do you let a dealer know you need to be taking advantage of this type of data? I think the main thing we start with is, is, and I'm not speaking on all dealers when I say this, even me as a general manager and Justin as a general manager, one of the struggles is get your team to follow up with your database, with your past customers. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they might be required to, there might be an assignment in the CRM that tells them they got to make these calls, but whether or not they're making them, you know, the reality is probably they're not. Yeah. Some dealers would probably do a lot better than others. So when we're talking to dealers about their database, the one thing we always tell them is, and we get them to agree that their database is a gold mine. It's it's a gold mine. It's where all the low lying fruit is. Yeah. All the warm market, all their past customers. And one thing we struggle with is a lot of times the biggest objection we get when we start talking about database with them is they say they already work it all the time and they don't want to bother their database. We don't want to beat the database up. Yeah. Well, we always let them know that that kind of like what you mentioned earlier is um you know, if you're not beating up your database and putting out a consistent message to them, letting them know that, you know, what they're what what um, they're available for upgrades or that you're reaching out to them for some specials, somebody else is. Because you've always got those dealers, like you mentioned earlier, that are saying, hey, I want to get in this guy's market. I want to I want to get conquest data for this. So working them with their database, we always struggle with getting them over the objection of, of that they're hitting it too much. And we finally break through with them and show them how successful it can be um, with the marketing that we do. So once we break them past that struggle, they see it and the rewards are amazing for them. Just working through their database. You know, too, I bet you part of that too, in terms of like, oh, we're already doing it. We don't want to work it too much is that the whole thing lacks a plan, right? Like the BDC manager will send out an off-lease, oh, I'm gonna send out an off-lease email, right? And then some, you know, CRM vendor will say, oh, well, we'll use this data for this. And there's they're all exist in separate silos. So there's really no consistent message or follow-up. There's not one person, and I'm speaking generally, just from my experience and from dealers that I speak to. Um, and when I was a dealer, marketing guy too, is... Um, 
they're all in this like separate silo. This guy's doing this, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing this. And then someone says, oh, well, we're, we're all doing this. We must be reaching out to them too much. But maybe you're not. You just don't have a plan. You don't have a consistent uh, plan, action plan uh, in, uh, in, in place for it. The other thing that I feel like I've heard myself say um, in, in a past life before the agency world is, well, why am I going to pay you to reach out to customers that are my customers already? Like I can do that myself. Like I can't get conquest data. I need somebody to do that for me, but I can email my customers through my CRM or through MailChimp. What do I need you for? What do you tell dealers who, who have that, who think that? Well, the reality is that they, they may think their team's doing it. And, and the reality of the situation is in most cases, um, it, first of all, you have a sales team in most cases where you always have different um, talent levels in that sales team, right? So first of all, we get a consistent message, the same message, a message that is the perfect message to everyone, right? So that's the one thing where we don't have a guy that's been selling cars for two days and can't doesn't doesn't know how to leave a good message uh, on a on a voicemail. We have a, we have the ability to get the perfect message out there. And the reality is that most dealerships, and I know, just like we've said, I'm not speaking for all of them, but in most cases, the team either isn't making the calls, um, they're schmeeking the calls, they're pretending to make the calls, and that GM or that owner if they really believe that a perfect message is being delivered by their sales team a thousand times a day, they're, they're either being lied to or they're lying to themselves. And that's just the reality of it. They've got this gold mine of data, warm market people that trust them, do business with them or reach out to them in some way, shape or form that is, is just an absolute gold mine. And if you break down the math of what the average dealership really their sales team is making an outbound calls or text messages a day. It's, it's a low number, man. It's a real low number. Before we get into the nitty gritty of some uh, recommended tactics and that sort of thing, can you reach out too much? Is there too much, too many emails, too many phone calls, too many, this, too many, that is that possible? My opinion, I don't believe so. I think like if, Somebody said they're, that they're getting called too much. I believe that the team would be doing their job because the reality of it is if you're not contacting your database, who is? I guarantee you the dealership up, up the street is. You, mm -hmm. In one way or another, through Conquest, they are reaching out to them with a message and that dealership risks losing that customer if they're not continually marketing to them. So. Yeah. It, it's all in the message and the way you present it and the different type of methods that you get it out there. But I don't believe there's any such thing as hitting your database too much. I used to work for um, a Nissan group and I lived about 45 minutes or 25 miles away from one of the stores in my group, right? Which is where I got my cars. So, and there was another Nissan dealership about 30 minutes away from me, a little bit closer, less convenient to get to actually travel, like travel route wise. Um, and I would always gauge our dealerships customer follow-up based on me getting the competitors stuff in the mail sooner. I'm like, Oh, my lease is up in eight months. I haven't gotten anything mm -hmm. from us, but this other guy's already sent me two emails and a, and a letter. So now yeah. I'm eight months out of, of my lease or my wife's lease 
And I'm thinking to myself, man, like we haven't started remarketing to me yet. Um, and you start to realize that, like you said, how, how soon is the other, if you're not doing it, the other guy's doing it. And you don't know when that guy's doing it. Is he doing it three months, six months, eight months, 12 months? Like, are you even, if you're doing it, are you doing it too late to the game? Um, can you do it too early? Do you guys think? Like, when do you start? Um, we generally take the database and we go through basic filters of anybody who purchased a car over the past couple of years. We're not going to reach out to them. Right. We go back about 18, 19 months. Yeah. So, um, a lot of dealers want to, want to, you know, hit a certain area or they say we want to target a certain customer. And I believe that in a database, no matter how good the technology is out there, software, there's no algorithm that can judge a person's behavior if their lifestyle just changed. If they just, the family just became pregnant and they're having a starting a family and they don't need the small car anymore and they need a minivan, there's no way to ever tell that. So we always make the message very broad for the database so that we send one simple message out that works for everybody within the database. And one thing back to what you were saying about hitting it too much is we've proven over time with analytics that we accumulate off all the campaigns we do for dealerships that one month we hit the database with a message, a hundred, let's just say a hundred people opt in, set appointments. The next month we remove those hundred people that, that opted in and made appointments and we target the same people that heard it before and we get a new round of a hundred people. So just that right there proves that you can never hit your database too much because people are going to be ready in certain in different times to take advantage of the offer. So I don't think there's ever a time too early. Uh, Obviously you don't want to send it to anybody that, that just bought a car, you know, a message to upgrade or, or do something like that. But it's, um, fairly simple. Then doesn't need to be overthought a lot. Let's talk about some of the uh, tactics that work best for uh, dealers marketing back to their their own data. So, I think there's like four methods basically of contact that you can do. You could obviously do email. What you can do if you put together a great email campaign. Um, a very successful method obviously is direct mail that you can do a direct mail campaign to reach out to them. But the main thing is the message that you deliver. It's gotta be good. It's gotta be consistent and it's gotta be something that people are going to open to look at. And we do a really good job at making those things happen whenever we use that type of marketing, um, voicemail marketing, another successful way channel to reach out to them with a consistent message. See how 80% of phone calls end up going to voicemail anyways. We can deliver one consistently. Um, Text messaging the database is another great way to get through. Um, We provide some video text messaging that goes along with that. So we, everything that we tie in, we try and handle a lot of the heavy lifting to get the open response really big. The message is clear and the customer engages to come back through. They engage to become a better quality lead down the funnel that we push over to the dealership. So all those different channels, I believe are the best way. 
for anybody to market to them. You mentioned um, messaging uh, before, and we've talked a lot on this podcast before about uh, the importance of, you know, the tactics, but also the importance of the message. And we've talked with a couple of marketing directors in different groups about which one's more important or does one totally useless without the other one. And um, so that being said, do you say, okay, you know, to a dealer, you know, here, here are three or four messages that we've seen that really resonate with trying to get this person back into the in uh, into the fold, into the mix, uh, in the market for a car or for a service? Or do you find it best for dealers to say, listen, here's what I think, here's what I want to do, um, let's do that? You want to go into this, Justin? Yeah, okay. So we, this, we run into this a lot because we have dealerships that um, want to get creative with their, with their message. And sure. I always tell them the same thing when I'm selling the products is that, yeah, this is your message and um, we can get as creative as you want, but we can't, we can't tell you what the results are going to be if it's not one of these messages that we use. And uh, we've ran into that where the only times that we've ever had any campaign struggle is if we, if we use a goofy message that the, the owner of the GM wanted to use. Um, and you're exactly right. We have three or four different messages um, that we like to use. For our direct mail, it's always the same message. For our voicemail and text marketing, always, always a very similar message because we know it works and we know there's results there. Um, and, you know, we've, we've tried so many different forms of messages. We really know what, what works well and what doesn't. You know, it's funny too, because I was just thinking, um, you know, from a dealer standpoint, we've, I, I've been in a situation where we're like, oh no, no, we want to do the message. You know, we want to do this this way. And the vendor will say, would say like, you know, listen, you're the client. You can do what you want to do, but we're telling you this has worked in the past and we stand by it working this way. And I, on the dealer side was kind of like, all right, all right. Yeah. But now I'm on the agency side and I'm like, dude, come on. Like this works for us all yeah. over the country. Trust yeah. me. I'm not leading. I'm not suggesting this because I want, I'm telling you, I want them to do it our way. Like this is what works. Let's do what works. Yeah. They always think that they always think, especially with Highline, it's really funny with Highline because we do a lot of Highline business and we get the exact same results, sometimes better with a Highline franchise than we do with, a, you know, a, a, a whatever, Ford, Chevy, yeah. Hyundai, whatever. And we get the same or better results, but they always think that their customers are so bougie that, you know, they can't, you can't, you can't call the guy who owns a Mercedes. Right. What are you talking about, you know, and the reality is that we get the same results with the same message or better. And it's, it's always funny that way. You always got to explain to them. No, you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're, your customers aren't any better than any other customers. They all have the same buying tendencies and, you know, it, it's, it's funny, but, um, we actually do really well with Highline products. And that's a perfect example because they always want a different message. They always like, you know, they always want to be careful and they don't want to upset these people. Yeah. But, um, and what's funny now is, you know, what's, what's a, uh, what's a new uh, suburban LTZ cost right now? Probably like 90 grand, right? He's 90, he's, yeah. yeah. And that's, what's funny is the bulk of those, you know, there's, there's no difference. You You've got, You've got people that that make a ton of money, spend a ton of money on cars, buying even Hyundai Genesis right now. What do they cost? 40, 50 grand. I mean, it's 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 not like um, you know, they've really leveled the playing field. 
Yeah. You know, too, I'm wondering, uh, just getting back to the, um, the voicemail. That was me this time. I'm kicking you out of class, sir. When you learn how to sit still. I don't it on my Mac. Keep your hands to yourself. Do not eat during the Zoom homeroom meeting and look straight at the camera. You're distracting your classmates. He's never going to have us back. You can log back into Monday morning's 9 a.m. meeting. Uh, I wanted to bring up um, voicemail. You mentioned uh, voicemail earlier, Derek. Are there any um, legal issues anywhere in any states in the country? Like I, I remember reading a couple of months back, or a couple of years back, rather, that uh, voicemail was tricky if not handled correctly. Yeah, every state has different rules and regulations of how you contact them. And there's never really been a clear place where they kind of dedicate this voicemail marketing to. Is it a, is it a robocall? Is it a regular call? Do you, because it's basically you're delivering the message through the, um, directly to the server and it's kind of non-intrusive. So there is a lot of, um, stuff out there about it legally, we always advise our clients that, yeah, you know, this is something that you definitely want to run past your legal department. We're not lawyers by no choice, but right. you definitely want more consent from that customer. And we've noticed along the time now, most dealerships have been working towards getting that consent. A lot of the CRMs now allow you to text back and then you get consent from that customer to contact them. Some states we found that if it's less than, if you've uh, contacted them in less than 18 months, you can go ahead and contact them um, through this type of technology. Mm -hmm. So we always advise them like, hey, look, you know, check with your legal department, you know, run it past however you want to run it through. And then um, we'll work around that. So is the same thing go for texting in terms of like, you know, right, you know, reply with stop if you want to quit receiving messages from us kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You always want to put in that opt out verbiage that's required on any text message. I think dealerships now, the ones that are a little bit more advanced with newer CRMs, they're doing a lot of texting out of there. Yeah. Um, one of the calls that we're driving into the um, to the dealerships, the BDCs, they always say, hey, we're going to text you your appointment. Just reply, you know, yes to the text I send you. They send them. So it's a really easy way. They're getting a lot better at getting um, consent for these things. So mm -hmm. it um, definitely seems to be working out well. I remember a vendor telling me once, and this makes sense to me, is that, you know, look at your phone right now. How many unread emails do you have? How many missed calls do you have? How many voicemails did you not check? And then it's like, how many unread texts do you have? And it's like always zero. I don't have any unread texts. I read all my texts when they come in. Whether you do it because you're hoping it's someone you want to talk to, or if you're like me, you can't stand the red, like, icon, like, I got I to gotta get rid of Always cleared out. Like, exactly. I pick up my wife's phone and I'm like, my head's going to explode. 47 unread emails. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I imagine that uh, everyone is getting their, did you get that text? Yes, of course I got the text. Everybody gets their texts. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's true. Very true. They do. They do. What is, um, I was just checking out your, uh, your website the other day, uh, cause I wanted to get an idea in terms of obviously without, you know, being salesy, I wanted to get an idea of the process that, um, you take customers through and wh I, what is auto? Is that like a, is, is that, yeah, what is auto? O T T O. He's a, like yeah. a little, is he like a little robot? Yeah, he's, he's our, a little robot. So he's, uh, he's our, basically our technology that we use with each campaign. So each campaign consists of three or four, let's, let's say for instance, we're doing a direct mail campaign and um, a direct mail campaign is going out. Embedded in that, we don't consider that the letter we send out 
to be the most powerful piece. We want them to open it. We want them to look at it. But we look at that mail piece carrying our technology out there to get it in the hands. Okay. So auto is basically the technology that operates all of our different types of marketing that we do. Um, for an example, uh, any calls that come in um, obviously are tracked. We, we assign a tracking number to everything. But we like to take each call that comes in and kind of get them to double opt in to the message. So if somebody ever calls from any of our campaigns, they're going to hear an inbound message associated with the outbound message that they heard or the, the offer that they got, telling them, hey, you know, it looks like you're calling back about the letter we sent you. If you want to upgrade your vehicle or sell it outright, press one. If you're not interested in, in the offer right now, you can press two, things like that. So when it comes through, we then channel those out to the right spots. Um, our system's really dynamic where we could actually do uh, perform a call to CRM function or an inbound call. We could actually push in as a lead into the CRM. Um, we get notifications, a lot of accountability that go along with all of our campaigns. So auto kind of manages all that stuff. I gotcha. I like the approach. You know, I'm just thinking about it from the, the standpoint of what my agency does is I like the kind of omni-channel uh, approach, right? A piece of mail is one impression, right? So mm -hmm. we look at it, we're um, very involved in OTT connected TV at, at my agency. And we uh, sometimes work with mail companies and that's the discussion we have. Okay. A piece of mail mm -hmm. is one impression, right? But if I can tell you that that person is also going to get a streaming TV spot that has the same type of messaging as the piece of mail, and they're going to get a display ad, uh, that goes along with it. And then they're going to get an audio streaming ad when they're listening to, you know, Elvis Duran on iHeart about it. Now you're taking that impression and you're multiplying it and you're increasing the chance of a conversion. And at the end of the campaign, well, the dealer is going to think your mail piece is fantastic because your conversion rate is going to be way higher. Meanwhile, we're hitting them with these, with this omni channel approach, same thing, email, voicemail, text messaging, getting it from all, from all angles and just kind of like, embedding yourself in the, you know, in the customer's brain. So even if they're not at that point right now, like they're going to make a move, you at least have done the job of, of giving them that message. So when they are ready to make a move, you know, your, your, your dealership is in, in their brain. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Let's talk yeah, about it. Let's, let's talk about a couple other things here. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is um, your agency's uh, I guess, is it a podcast or a video chat on Thursday nights? You do, uh, the think tank, Thirsty Thursday yeah. think tank with yep. who's in there? Some thought leaders, some industry ve like vendor people. Like what's the whole idea behind it? Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are, are joining. Um, so it started out, we, we started out um, when things were, were slow in the pandemic. We're like, you know what? People can't leave their house. Let's, let's give people a platform to talk and let's support each other. And um, so it started out, we, we started inviting people to a Zoom call every Thursday night. Uh, we call it Think Tank Thirsty Thursdays, and um, it's really evolved from that to originally it was a lot of automotive people, but we've had, we have a lot of influencers on, we have celebrity guests, we've had reality TV stars on, we've had uh, it, people that we look up to in uh, social media marketing and the auto industry, all kinds of stuff. So, um, and we have... It runs the gamut. We have um, real estate agents. We have uh, a lady who owns a coffee business who was an attorney who now now runs a coffee business. We have 
everybody in people in the financial world in uh, financial planning we have recruiters on there um and it really is just a great it's a great time and we build each other up we support each other and and it's it's evolved from that so we, we have 40 50 people on every week and we try to let everybody talk um you know it's it, it's a lot of fun. Have you had Snooki on as like a celebrity guest or no? She hasn't been. No, able to no, but that's great. We're working great. on that. Yeah. Um, I heard you had my Canadian friend, Jason Harris, on yesterday. Jason Harris was on last yeah. night. I, uh, yeah. I, t- I talked to him today and I asked him how the hot seat was in the, in, yeah. in the think tank. And he said it wasn't as, it wasn't, wasn't as hot as he thought it was going to be, but he did say he had some bourbon. He mentioned to me. He did mention. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah he did. It was a great, it was a great night. We were on until... It was a couple hours, two, two and a half hours. Um, wow, people geez. ask questions. Well, we let everybody ask a question and people come That's and a go. a lot of bourbon. Yeah, there was quite a bit of bourbon. Um, and uh, Can anybody it was, it watch was, it? Is it like broadcast? Like, can anybody watch it? Or you just got to kind of get, you just like log into it to hang out? Or is it like viewable? Like, I'm going to watch what's going on in here. You can, you know, you can, you can join, um, I always get creeped out when people like don't have their name on there though. So right. I always, I always want to kick them out. You don't yeah. have to show your camera. Um, you can, you can join just to listen. Um, but it does bug me when they, I don't know who they are. Yeah. I always feel like, no, they should no. put their camera on. There's companies that have that as a rule camera on. I don't care if they have their camera on, but I want to know who they are. And sometimes it says iPhone down there and I'm like, right. Who's this? You know, yeah. what if he's it's a spy, yeah. <laughs> a spy, a Russian spy on there? We don't want that, you yeah, know. No, definitely but, not. Yeah, trollers. Yeah, we about we're talking about um, we're working on getting approved for LinkedIn Live, and we oh, thought dying we to thought, do that. You're trying to do it too. How do you? I've put in that like you know you go on LinkedIn and you put in the information or whatever, and yeah. then you're supposed to wait to hear. Yeah. I never heard anything, so I did it again. Haven't heard yeah. anything. Like I don't know what the holdup is here. That's the, uh, that's the story. They're not giving it to everybody. That's for sure. And it's, um, Derek's got some insider secrets. He can tell you later. He's got, he's got some tips on how to get approved. He read, um, call me. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get approved and we would maybe stream that live. We are thinking about streaming it live, but we thought about maybe doing it on Facebook too, but, um, we're not very active on Facebook. So, well, let me tell uh, you here, this is not an advertisement cause they don't give me any money, but check out restream. Here, let me find their little thing. Restream. Restream allows you to stream live to 30 plus social platforms at once. And I'm going to tell you, I'm currently on a free trial from Restream. Thank you, Restream. I'm on my, my, my 90 day free trial. And you go into this tool and you, you connect to your, your personal Facebook page, your company's Facebook page, a group if you want, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and you can push out to all those platforms at once by using their their data studio platform, which is what I'm using right now to record this video. So I can uh, I can put it up later, or if you're watching it now, I've previously recorded it and it is now up. Um, but check it out. That's really cool. There's another one yeah. too out there that's pitched me. That's another, we've talked about that's another thing we've talked about not wanting to record it because mm. we want to encourage people to be there live and. Yep. to enjoy it. We don't want it to be something that's, you know, you missed last night. Well, that's on you, buddy. You got it. You know, yeah. there's you, you're not going to get to see it later. You're not going to get Jason Harris's wisdom if you couldn't show up and be there. Yeah. So we, we kind of like that it's that way. Um, you know, 
I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun that we have a, we have a blast. Um, and a lot of people have done a lot of business from it too. Just, we don't pitch by the way. We don't pitch, especially Derek and I, we, we refuse to pitch. Um, it's not about us trying to shove our products down your throat. It's about supporting each other. Now we let some other people pitch. We'll let them give a little elevator pitch, but that's not what it's about. It's not about pitching. It's about meeting, building each other up, supporting each other, giving each other tips, sales tips, uh, you know, you name it. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention was you guys have like the best swag. Did you hire somebody that's in charge of all the think merchandise or are you guys just like, you love hoodies and t-shirts and stuff or like, how did that come about? It, it came about during the, um, during the first part of the pandemic where we, um, we really, really went away from pitching. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had meetings talking about how are we going to build our brand during this? Why Why don't we start building our brand? And it came up that we were going to start giving away some shirts. So we started with a couple of shirts and I do all the design stuff on them. I got a friend locally uh, here in California that prints them for me, a childhood friend that I grew up with. And um, it took off really big um, to the point where, I mean, I can't even tell you how many shirts we've shipped out, but it, it became a thing with us now and we don't charge anybody for them. Um, people often will want to pay for them. And um, we just ask they come onto the think tank, they'll end up with a hoodie or a shirt and things like that. So it's been a great way for us to do branding and it's really put our brand out there great. Yeah, I think, I think I saw a page on your website with a bunch of people wearing your, wearing your, yeah. uh, wearing your stuff and that looked cool. Mm-hmm. I, you got to get one over to Snooki, I think that'd be, yeah. that'd be yeah. key. You're going to get one. I'm like, yes, sweet. I'm going to wear it in an upcoming episode of this podcast for sure. Absolutely. We'll send you some cool stuff. Now you're talking. I like it. Um, While I got you on the line here, before we wrap it up, let's just talk about uh, LinkedIn stories real quick. I'd like to bring it up to people that I'm talking to right now because it's kind of a new topic. And I I, uh, posted about it on LinkedIn the other day. Got some great response from some uh, smart people about it. Um, I think Justin, I think Justin weighed in on there too. Um, What do you, what do you guys, so, okay. So, you know, my opinion so far is like, I don't really know what I think. Like I'm on it and you know, I love Instagram stories. Like on my personal, on my, oh, my microphone, like on my personal Instagram, I love Instagram stories. I do them. I make them. I, they're always funny. I'm always laughing at my friends, Instagram stories. It's great. So LinkedIn, I'm like, all right, let me check it out. First of all, I don't think everybody has them yet because I have a couple people I talk to who's like, I don't see that yet. Um, So I watch them and uh, I'm trying to find like, what do I like? What am I trying to get out of it? And so far I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting three messages that aren't really like resonating with me. One is like, you know, salesy graphics and things that just don't apply to me. Like as a account director in an agency, it's just not like the messaging is not meant for me. It's meant for a dealer or it's meant for a business owner. It's not meant for somebody who, you know, does my job at my company. Um, the other thing is like, I'm getting a lot of like, I'm going to the gym and, or I'm walking through Manhattan or stuff that I think should be on Instagram. Like, like, you know, I got a buddy who's a finance manager at a Nissan store, right? And he's a good buddy of mine. Our kids go to school together. We live in the same town. We used to work together. And his Sunday morning gym picture of him at the gym, which I make fun of him for every Sunday, goes on Instagram. He wouldn't put it on LinkedIn. It's not a LinkedIn thing. So I see that. And then I get a lot of, um, like, I don't want to say uh, ads, but like, you know, the, 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 
the things you can do on it are limited right now in terms of like text and colors and that kind of thing. It's not as, uh, it doesn't have as much variety as Instagram. It's people who are clearly building those graphics or images somewhere else and then bringing them in to LinkedIn. So I'm seeing a lot of that. And I don't know what to post. Like, all right, like I like to talk, no problem. But I don't know what to post on there yet. So I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not sure if I'm 100% in on the idea. I want to like it and I want to use it, but I haven't figured it out yet. What do you guys think? Let's start with you, Derek. So I kind of feel like the same way on, on Instagram, you can get away with a lot more stuff than in that space. And I've read lots of articles on, on the stories for LinkedIn. And um, a lot of people don't approve of putting personal stuff on there. I'm kind of caught in the middle of it. I don't know really what needs to be on there because Justin, Evelyn, and I, we've always said there's no such thing as bad content. We beat that in each other's head. If you post something, you post it, you do it. And I believe Gary V is what we, we drive that by is, you know, there's yeah. no such thing as bad content. Post it, you know, doc, you, you did it, put it up. doesn't matter. Um, there's that thought that goes through my head. But also... I feel like I don't know what LinkedIn's trying to accomplish with stories. Are they trying to get towards um, the Instagram thing and make it more personal? Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily bug me if I see someone on there working out. I think Justin's put a couple things of him working out on there. Oh, I wasn't calling you out on that. Just so you know, I, I was not. I think you were. I think you were. And you, do sweat, you do sweat a lot, though, when you exercise. I am Yeah. You take somebody like Rudy El Patron, who posts yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. He documents his entire life. Yeah. His... Instagram story matches his LinkedIn story. Yeah. So you look at a guy like that who dominates most feeds, he's posting exactly mimicking over. So um, I don't know where, yeah. where to really land. I've, I've done a few things in it, but. My thought, my thought on that in terms of like the same copy and then Justin, we'll, we'll, we'll get your opinion in a second, but my thoughts on the copy. And I think I mentioned this in my last episode when I talked to, um, I forget his name. Oh, Sean Boyle was, um, you know, like at my agency, right? We have somebody, her name is Elena and she does our social media stuff. And during the week when she's getting ready to say, Hey, here's the post that's coming up in two days. Here's next Monday's post. Here's whatever's post. There's five different versions of each post. And so the, the post for it's our account director's birthday is worded differently than across all the social networks. And the reason being on, you know, Twitter, it's more like, Hey, this is our, you know, I'm, I'm making up the text. This would be it's a way better, better written than the way I'm saying it. But on Twitter, it's more shorthand and casual on uh, Facebook. It's like, Hey, it's our guy, Matt Wilson's account, you know, birthday on LinkedIn. It's more professional. You know, we like to wish our account director, Matt Wilson, a happy birthday. Like they're, they're, they're tailored towards the audience. Right. Um, and I'm, and even from a dealership level at my last job, I'm a believer that there's different people looking at different social networks and there is crossover obviously, but I think people have expectations about what they're going to see on social networks. So as I see something political on LinkedIn, I'm immediately annoyed because that's what Facebook is for. And that's why I don't go on Facebook that much because I'm immediately annoyed. Um, but if I'm going to see, you know, uh, 
you know, 8,000 baby photos to me, that's Facebook or Instagram. If you're going to complain and you're going to like, you know, try and uh, make fun of somebody for uh, their sports team or make fun of Nick Foles, you know, missing a couple of easy passes last night in the Thursday night football. That's Twitter. That's what Twitter's for. I was on Twitter last night talking about how awesome Tom Brady is because I'm a lifelong Tom Brady homer. It didn't really work out by the end of the game there. He forgot how many downs there were at the yeah, end of the game. Dude. He's like, yeah. wait, four, don't I get another? Do, do, do I get, <laughs> no, it's over, bud. Um, so, so I'm always a believer in that. It's separate copy. You're talking to people a different way. But I don't know what that way is yet with LinkedIn stories. What do you think, Justin? So what I think is... Um, First of all, for, for me, I'm, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not, I, I mean, I have a Facebook account for business only. We don't, I don't really use it. I have an Instagram account. Uh, I don't use it. Uh, it's not, you know, I don't even know if like Derek tags, Derek's pretty big on Instagram. I, I like put a heart on crap. I don't even know if that's what I'm supposed to do or I'll, <laughs> I'll add stuff to my story. I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to do. So what are you, 80? the link? Yeah. So the LinkedIn thing, LinkedIn is my, my primary platform. It's where I've, I've really, you know, developed a a little bit of a following. And I, for me, I was like, okay, this is a place, this is a spot where I can be a little personal. You know, if I want to take, and for on LinkedIn, on my regular content on LinkedIn, I've taken pictures of me and my kids. I've, I've, you know, and I post it and I'll say something and I don't get any negative feedback. So in my mind, I was like, okay, wait a second. Wait, the stories are up there. You don't, you don't have to click on my story. Right. It's not like it's forcing it into the feed, right? right. So you want to look through LinkedIn and learn and uh, connect. Okay, well, there's your feed, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to see me at the gym. Don't click on my little dumb face up in the thing. And I wasn't everybody talking, I wasn't talking about you. Relax. Well, I told you it's personal, Matt. You see how I <laughs> Very butthurt. All I'm saying is it's up there. It's separate. Yeah. So why does it matter? If I want to, if I want to show my myself eating a taco and put it in the story, cause that's what I'm doing to me, that's a way for me to show some personal content yeah. on LinkedIn because that's the platform I use. Right. Um, yep. But I'm not, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's how I feel about it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do stories. Stories are going to be personal. Sorry, guys. Got to be kidding me. I know I'm out of here. You're so fired. I'm going to have a radio. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a webinar next week where I'm going to talk about lighting and you to silencing teach me. your phones. That being that said, to me, by the way, I just shot him off. So I told him I'll talk to him later. Who? Gary V. Oh, okay. Gary V. Gary say, v. You told him later. Yeah, yeah. Talk. That yeah, being, that being said, I was a part of a terrible radio show for 10 years where we always had our constant phones ringing, distractions going by. A car would go by. We'd be like, hey, look, a car. Like, we were the worst. But yeah, yeah. anyway, um, you know, so I, first of all, I think you do a good job on LinkedIn. I've seen you. I look at you're in my feed and I think you do a good job. And then I like to find that stuff and tailor it towards work. So like, so like the picture of your, like uh, of your, of one of your kids or of you and one of your kids going for a hike or something like that. Well, like that's why we all do what we do. Right. I mean, we're all, we're all working hard and right. making money so we can spend time with our families. So sure. like to me personally, you know, I, that's how I would put it on. I understand on LinkedIn. I'd put it on, I'd put it on Instagram story and be like, you know, Hey, my kid stopped talking long enough to take a picture without his mouth moving or something, you know, like, you know, something, something more, um, you know, just kind of funny, so to speak. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, but yeah, it sounds like it sounds like we're all in the same place on stories for the most part. We're kind of trying to figure it out, you know. I also feel like, you know, LinkedIn is big on, um, you know, Evelyn did a post. Evelyn did a post a few days ago or a week ago about, and she was talking about LinkedIn, how she liked LinkedIn and how she's not really using Facebook. And she has 230,000 views. And LinkedIn likes to reward you. I think LinkedIn is gonna reward you if you're using the stories on a regular basis. So, I and when I say reward you, I mean, I think you're gonna show up in more feeds. You're gonna, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. Sounds like you both have LinkedIn conspiracy theories. We do, yes. We have LinkedIn conspiracy theories. Oh, we talk about it all the time. Evelyn's like, Evelyn's obsessed. She's always trying to figure out the algorithm. And if I do it this, she, she'll chart when she does a post what time it was. How oh, I like that. Data, I like it. And yeah. we try and redo it all as a team. So and then we'll try to pop and try to mimic it to see how it performs. Very crazy. Very crazy. Yeah, pretty cool. So she thought she looks into it a lot. Evelyn's, yeah. Evelyn's your marketing director, right? For the people who don't know who she is listening. Yeah. Okay, got yep. it. Yep. I've communicated with her. She's sharp. I like that. Yep. I like that. That's good data. We're trying to do a little trial and error, see what works, see if you can post yep. efficiently. That makes sense. Yep. Listen, guys, I appreciate it. Despite the fact about the muting and the phones and everything, you guys uh, were great. I think this would be, I think this is um, hopefully uh, uh, informational, informative, informative for listeners and viewers. And uh, I hope uh, you guys will come back and do it again sometime. Absolutely. And we would love to have you on as a guest as well. Hell yeah. We would love to have you on as our celebrity guest. I'm in. Yeah. Yep. Is that the thing where you get to drink? Yep. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to do it in my garage, though, because it's like, where I'm at right now. oh, you're in your garage. I'm in it's my garage. Very well decorated. Got yeah, it's, it's one of those fake backgrounds, but it looks pretty real. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, what do you, what'd you do? You made a poster of like a nice living room and put it behind you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a piece of vinyl hanging behind there. <laughs> you're, in an un, you're in an unfinished, unair conditioned basement. Yeah, <laughs> business is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. I'd be honored to come on there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Check awesome. it out. Join. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to have you. I'll come watch one. I was gonna do. I was gonna try and come on last night, but it was too. I gotta get out. I gotta do it like in the garage. Set up a little space to put my feet up with my laptop and my my uh, my beverage and because uh, my yeah. my uh, studio slash office slash playroom slash laundry room is. Um, <laughs> too close to my three-year-old daughter's bedroom and I would be keeping her awake and that's no good. So I, under, I understand. All right, guys, Justin and Derek think ad group. I appreciate it guys. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Thanks. So. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you it. Got it. Thanks. There you go. Those guys are awesome. That was fun. Thanks for coming on. I hope there was something uh, informational, uh, informative in there for all of you. Lots of episodes. Coming up of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. I've been recording some Xperia Marketing podcasts with Colin Carasquillo, also from Nielsen Automotive Group. We've got a couple of great things lined up there. I've got a couple more Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson podcasts coming out. It was supposed to be bi-weekly-ish, but I almost have enough to put it out every week. And I didn't have enough faith in myself that I could do it every week. So that's why I called it the bi-weekly-ish podcast. But here we are, 2020. Crazy stuff happens, and it's coming out every week. So, anyway. Pulse Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it.
Coastally Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by... Wait, this guy has sponsors? Oh, never mind. This sheet of paper's blank. No sponsors. That makes more sense. For updates, info, future episodes, and more, follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and connect on Frackle. You guys made that last one up. That's not even a thing, Frackle. Come on.